0: I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Have you ever praised God for the fact that you are alive right now? Does that lead you to worship? Have you ever thanked him for the wonderful work of art that your life is? Your physical life, your body, in his eyes? Can you say with the psalmist, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and I'm that work. Well, welcome to the Gospel Chapel Podcast for November 27th, this past Sunday. And we had a great time looking at the reality that God has created us in His image and for His glory. And we pray that this will encourage your heart as we enter this Advent season. The season where we anticipate The coming of Jesus Christ. We celebrate a lot of this season as Christmas, uh, the baby Jesus, but Advent is really also at the same time about anticipating the soon return of Christ to make all things new as he is creating us, recreating us, after his image. And that's something that we're going to talk about today. Well, thank you for being here and thank you for finding Gospel Chapel. Uh, You can head to our website at www.gospelchapelgf.com and there you can find more out about our church and our staff, our programs, and also ways that you can connect with us uh, through the contact form. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you. As we head into this Advent season, uh, may God encourage you as you embrace the fact that you have been created in his image. So back in September of 2021, we started the Gospel Project, which is a three-year going through the Bible, through the lens of this is all about Jesus. Luke chapter 24, on the road to Emmaus Jesus comes to two disciples who are downcast. They think everything's lost. This Jesus whom they had followed perhaps for the whole three years are so downcast and distraught because the day before they watched Jesus die on the cross. And this morning, that Sunday morning, the third day, they're walking, they've left Jerusalem, and they're heading home because they think it's over. And Jesus shows up to them, and he walks beside them and they don't know it's him. Again, it's one of those really kind of funny scenes if you really stop and think about it. And they're downcast and they're talking and they're, they're discouraged and Jesus comes up and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, hey, don't you know what's been going on in Jerusalem? Like, are, are you the only one that doesn't know what's happened? And he's like, well, fill me in. <laughs> Again, that's kind of funny. Jesus is kind of pulling them along, right? And they say, well, we were following Jesus of Nazareth and we thought for sure he was the Holy One of God come to set and redeem Israel. And we were so looking forward to that, but he was crucified and it's the third day now. And and even more outlandish is that some of our women went to the tomb this morning to, to prepare him for burial and they said he's risen from the dead. And well, that just doesn't happen. So we think it's all over. And Jesus says, oh, You you missed it. You missed what everything in Scripture was talking about, and starting from the law and the prophets and the writings, the whole Old Testament, Jesus starts to explain to them that he had to come and suffer and die and rise again. And this was how the kingdom was coming. And still, you know, he he explained it. He kind of gave them an in-depth Bible lesson right there, and they still quite didn't get it until they sat down that evening in the house, and Jesus took the bread and broke it And at that moment, their eyes were opened and they knew who it was. And everything started to make sense. And so it's through that lens that as we're looking back through Scripture, we want to hear about how this is all pointing us to Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. So that our eyes may be opened and we may see Jesus for who he is. That first September when we started this, session two, we looked at the reality that humanity is created in God's image, and, that, and at that time we looked at Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and Psalm 8, and we learned that we bear God's image in our role of creation care, that we're to, we were created to take care of the earth, Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28 that we bear God's image in our relationships, male and female, Genesis 2, 18 to 23, and that we bear God's image as the crown and glory and splendor of all of creation, from Psalm 8. And today we're coming back to this concept, this theological truth that we are made in the image of God. But from some different texts and with a slightly different emphasis. We're gonna look at a variety of texts, but. The main theme that I want us to hear from all of them today is that because humanity is created in the image of God, God values us very much. To begin with, let's remind ourselves of this essential doctrine. Essential doctrine 28 out of the 99 that the Gospel Project has for us is the image of God in humanity. The image of God in humanity is understood as mirroring God's attributes in our nature, actions, and relational capacities. In Jesus, we see the true image of God. He perfectly mirrors God's attributes, fulfills God's will, and enjoys a perfect relationship with the Father. The Bible continues to speak of the image of God in humanity even after our fall into sin, even though our ability to rightly reflect God has been marred. We're created in the image of God. Today we're going to look at this under three headings. First, that all people are made in the image of God. All people, so every tribe, tongue, nation, skin color, wherever people are living, they are created in the image of God, regardless of their social standing, their economic standing, or wherever they are. We are made in the image of God. We'll look at that. Second thing we're going to look at is that all people, therefore, are valued because we are made in the image of God. And then thirdly, that all believers are being transformed into the image of Christ. So we're going to touch briefly on the first one. We're going to spend some time on the second one. Now, we're going to have communion together out of that, and then we're going to look at the last one. So, made in the image of God, valued as the image of God, being transformed into the image of Christ. You know, and I think this is so important for us, because a lot of us can accept the fact that, you know, especially when we hold a newborn baby, We just, wow, look at this. This is amazing, made in the image of God. And we can be overwhelmed with thankfulness and gratitude when we hold our children or our grandchildren. But what about your view of even your own self and your own physical life? In Freedom Session, on the intake form, there's a question on there. There's a whole bunch of questions about what people struggle with. One of those questions is I have a persistent sense of being unworthy. And about 80% of people check that box. Persistent sense of feeling worthless, that my life has no meaning. And that's really a shame because you're created in the image of God. And just because of that, you have value. And that's what I want you to hear today. Genesis chapter 5, 1 and 2, very short passage. I'm going to read two passages here, Genesis 5, 1-2, and then Psalm 139, very familiar as well. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. And Psalm 139 And most of us have heard this in verses 13 to 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. It's powerful stuff. It's so familiar, but familiarity, they say, breeds contempt, and we're so familiar with this passage that we miss the personal... First-person pronoun in this. I was made. You saw my unformed body. Wow. Genesis five one to two starts by repeating almost word for word Genesis one twenty-seven. Genesis five one to two marks the first division in the book of Genesis. There's ten major divisions. This. These are the generation statements. There's 10 of them, five before Genesis 12 and five after Genesis 12. Everything pivots and flows out of focus is really on Genesis 12 and the call of Abraham. But here in Genesis 5, 1 to 2, we are reminded that God is the creator. And humanity, as broken and as fallen and as messed up as we are, still bears the image of God in creation. It's what makes us human. It's what sets us apart. Wayne Grudeman his Systematic Theology says, It will probably amaze us to realize that when the creator of the universe wanted to create something in his image, something more like himself than all the rest of creation, he made us. Wow. We are the culmination of God's infinitely wise and skillful work of creation. Even though sin has greatly marred that likeness, we nonetheless now reflect much of it and shall ever more as we grow in likeness in Christ. We nonetheless now reflect much of it and shall even more as we grow in likeness to Christ. We are all made in the image of Of God. This is a truth that some of us need to accept more on a heart level than on a mind level. Yes, we know that we're made in the image of God. Yes, we know that God formed us in our mother's womb. But how does that make you feel as far as your worth and your value in this life? Can you agree with God that your life, your family of origin and everything about you, your genetic makeup, your quirks and your personality, your DNA are a precious gift from God that he designed and that he wanted. Look at Psalm 139, 13 again. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Don't miss this. Your life was created by God. The exact egg and sperm that joined to form your life was joined together by God's design and in His love because He wanted you to exist. It wasn't just an accident of your parents having sex one night. God wanted you to exist. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. He sees you, he knows you, he wanted you. You are made in his image. Because he wanted you. Now look at the next verse in verse 14 of 139. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Have you ever praised God for the fact that you are alive right now? Does that lead you to worship him? Have you ever thanked him for the wonderful work of art that your life is? Your physical life, your body in his eyes? Can you say what the psalmist, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and I'm that work. Like, like, let's not get a big head here, but let's just get the enormity of what the psalmist is saying here. Wonderful are your works, O Lord. And guess what? I'm part of that. Some of us really don't believe it. We think we're mistakes. We think we just messed up so bad that we're worthless, that our life has no meaning. People live with that every day. And it's sad because it's not true. God's word says we are made in his image. And he knows us and he wanted us. Therefore, we have infinite value. If you take a look at your fingertips and just, you know, get close enough, I've got to take off my glasses so I can actually see it. Look at that fingerprint. Brenda sees fingerprints all the time, or used to. What's the beauty of taking fingerprints? Everyone's unique. unique. Think about that. No one else in the history of humanity that has been or ever will be will have your fingerprint. You have been wonderfully made. God will never make another you. This is it. It's the only time you will exist on this planet. No one else will ever get to be that. No one else gets your fingerprint. Now, some people are like, yeah, the world couldn't handle one of two of you, that's for sure. <laughs> We are all made in the image of God. And this the second thing. All people then are valued because they are made in the image of God. Considering what we've just heard from Psalm 139. I know in your bulletin it says, let's go to Luke chapter 10. And it's a story of the Good Samaritan. But that's just going to take us too far afield. Because I think we got what we need right here. <laughs> we need to come to realize how much God values us. And by extension, then how we are to value others and ourselves. God values us so much that we are the crowning glory of His creation, and that everything about our creation is set apart as special. Just think about this. Everything else in creation, when God created it, what did He do? He said it, He just spoke it. Let there be light, and there was light. Let there be ground, and there was ground. Let there be sky, and there was sky. Let there be water. Let there be this, let there be that. Let us make man in our image. And then he took the dust of the ground and he formed and he made. And his hands got dirty. And then he created woman and he performed an operation and his hands got bloody. With humanity, the script changed. God formed us. He fashioned us. He gets his hands dirty. He gets his hands bloody. He was intimately and directly involved in our creation. He knit us together in our mother's womb. Our creation is special. Second, our physical humanity has deep value because Jesus Christ, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us the incarnation which we celebrate this season, we see God again getting intimately and personally involved with us. He takes on flesh and he's born. And from what I've seen, and I've seen it five times, it's pretty messy and bloody. And God got intimately involved with us. In Jesus Christ humanity, we see the glory of God revealed, John 1, 14. In Jesus Christ humanity, we see the nature of God the Father made known, John 14, 9. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Our creation is special. The incarnation is special. And here's something that might blow your mind. After the resurrection, Jesus did not put off his physical humanity. He retains it to this day. Eternally transformed, but physical nonetheless. Physical existence is not something he just temporarily took on so he could die in our place. We believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe in the physical bodily return of Christ And therefore, we believe that the physical bodily resurrection of all of us at the end of time is guaranteed. He will come again and he will be embodied. See, throughout the history of the church, we kind of bought into this Greek way of thinking that said the body was sinful and needed to be put off and cast aside so that we could just go to heaven in a spirit form and that was it. End of story. Problem is that people didn't read the whole Bible. There's a resurrection at the end. And heaven comes to earth, not the other way around. And the dwelling of God will be with humanity. Jesus didn't temporarily take on humanity. He permanently did. He is still 100% human today. In creation, God gets bloody, messy, dirty, and intimately involved with us. In the incarnation, God gets bloody, messy, and dirty, and intimately involved with us. And in our redemption, God gets bloody, messy, dirty, and intimately involved with us. This is how valuable you are to God. This is how deeply visceral he wants to be with us. He creates us. He comes to live with us and then he offers up his life to redeem us and that's what this table is about this table is about your value to God because he said I want to have a relationship with my people so badly I'm going to die for them I will take on flesh And I will suffer the consequences for sin. I will suffer the consequences for their sin so that they can live and that we can have a relationship. That's what this table's about. It's about God's investment in something he finds infinitely valuable, our lives. This table is a definition of our value to God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by the eternal, creative, loving plan of God, fearfully and wonderfully redeemed by the eternal, atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Every life has value because God created us and every life has value because God has come to us, and every life has value because God has offered himself for us. All people are made in the image of God, and all people are valued because we are made in the image of God. So as we prepare for the table, right now I'd ask those who are serving to come, and I'd ask the rest of us to just close our eyes and hear these words from Scripture as we prepare our hearts, as we hear how much God values us. From Romans chapter 3. O Lord, our Creator, who knew us fully before one of our days came into being, who took on flesh and walked among us, and who knows what it's like to live on this earth as broken and as messed up as it is, and who has died to redeem that brokenness, to remove the power of sin, to crush the head of the serpent. Lord, we come this morning in awe and worship that you have created us to be like you and that through the loving sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You have made the way open to come back to you and that when we do that we be, start to become more and more like you and the image starts becoming restored. And so Lord this morning as we take this bread this word made flesh May you overwhelm us with the reality that you value us this much. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and he broke it, and he said, "This is my body, and knit together in the womb of Mary. And every day that was ordained for me to walk this earth would end at the cross, and there I would be broken for you. Whenever you eat this bread, you do so in remembrance of him, the value he placed on you because he loves you. In Jesus' name, amen. Then Jesus took the cup And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. A new agreement of how we're going to relate one to another. Lord Jesus, as we think about the cross today, and this is why Advent is important. The cradle is still secondary to the cross. Christmas is really meaningless without Easter. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the wonder. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Thou, my God, would die for me. Amazing love. How can it be? And so, Father, as we take the bread, as we take this cup, we do so in remembrance of you with worship and adoration for who you are and that your love for us knows no limits. In Jesus' name, amen. We are created in the image of God. We have value as the image of God and we are being transformed into the image of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter three, Paul says, now the spirit, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. As we continually surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and continue in living a life of repentance and resting in his full and final salvation secured for us in the cross, we are being transformed and we need that in our lives. For sin has so tarnished and twisted and distorted the image of God in us that our nature and our ability to live out our identity as image bearers is completely impossible apart from a work of God. But God has provided for our renewal and our renovation and our restoration in and through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. God is working to restore the glory of his image in us. These verses in 2 Corinthians conclude Paul contrasting the glory that shone from the face of Moses as he came down from Mount Sinai with the glory that we are being transformed into. If you read the whole context, it's rather amazing. The glory of Moses faded, ours does not, because we encounter a greater glory when we look on Jesus Christ. We all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, our transformation by the glory of God through Jesus Christ leaves not a temporary shine, but a permanent mark, greater, than the glowing face of Moses. God is changing us. And in Romans 8, one to two, Paul declares there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Romans 12, 1 and two, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do you know that your life is a holy sacrifice to God that you can get on that altar because you are without spot or blemish because of Christ. Now, sometimes we skip over that, you know. The, 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 the requirements for sacrifice in the Old Testament were spotless, blameless, no blemishes. And here Paul is calling us to live that out because of what Christ has done for us. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, that which is perfect, and acceptable. We were created, made in God's image. We are valued as God's image, and we are being transformed into the image of Christ. Again, from Wayne Grudem's theology book, he says this, this is the definition of genuine importance and significance for our lives. If we are truly important to God for all eternity, Then, what greater measure of importance and significance could we want? What greater significance could you want? Let's stand for the benediction. Zephaniah 314 to 20, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said in Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion, let not your hand grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time I will bring you in. At that time I will gather you together for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Lord, thank you that this morning we are reminded that we are created in your image. And that every single one of us here today has eternal value because we are made in your image. And that you came to take on our likeness in a new way in Jesus Christ. And you died for us. And you have sent the Holy Spirit to transform us, to change us, that we may reflect your glory more and more. The image restored. Lord, as we go throughout our weeks, And as we see people of different nationality, of different social standing, as we see people struggling, as we see people succeeding, as we see people in despair and we see people in great joy, Lord, remind us that every person that we come across this week is made in the image of you and has inherent value because you wanted them in this earth, at this moment, right now. And then, Lord, help us to live in such a way that we reflect your glory so that others will come to know you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done. Thank you for how you've called us to yourself. Thank you for how you're changing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week and go with God.